We're going to be in the 23rd Psalm tonight. While you're turning, I just want to say it's been a blessed day for me. I, I love coming to church and uh, fellowshipping and worshiping and uh, listening to preaching and teaching. And, and uh, it's just been a good day. The Lord has helped me and blessed me personally, and I'm thankful to the Lord for it. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for uh, God's leadership in our lives and for what God has in store for us. I'm very grateful for it. Um, I want to say a word about the conference. Um, I hope you're praying for our conference, that the Lord would just, you know, bless. Um, I was thinking about Brother Ingsetter tonight, Brother Randy Ingsetter. He's registered to be at our conference. He won't be here because he's in rehab now. He's the one that spent really many, many weeks in the hospital and uh, really on the brink of, of going out into eternity. And uh, so we'll miss him. But we just want the Lord to have the people here that he wants to have here. And, and wants us. I just want us to be prepared spiritually. Um, I'm thinking probably in the next week or two, you might be thinking about this, praying about this, that maybe we'll have a special offering toward the expense of the conference. As you can imagine, if we're feeding, you know, upwards of 175 people, maybe more, uh, the expense involved in that. And so we don't charge anything for people to come. We do take an offering at the conference because, you know, we, we're going to trust the Lord to meet our needs but give people an opportunity to give. But I think it would be good for us. We do this pretty much every time just beforehand. We'd be praying about a special offering. And I was thinking about this last Sunday evening. Was it last Sunday evening when Pastor Kuzel was us? Yeah. When he was talking about, you know, when you give a cup of water in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Think about that. Imagine giving, giving um, seven or eight meals to a hundred prophets. What kind of reward you might get. Right? So let's just be praying about it, what the Lord would let us do. Psalm 23, and if you're able to stand, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. Most of you would know, I think, that we've been, I've been teaching on, preaching on various aspects of this general theme of the shepherd and the sheep. And so we're going to look again at Psalm 23, verse 1, a psalm of David, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this psalm uh, emphasizes a lot of things particularly, but I think about the care of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 
David, of course, was a shepherd. He knew what it was to be a shepherd and to tend to sheep. And he said, I have a shepherd, and my shepherd is the Lord. And he comforts me, he talks about in this passage, he protects me. God, I think God wants us to see ourselves as relating to sheep, to our shepherd. He said he's always with me, he accompanies me, he guides me, he heals me. And um, my, thou anointest my head with oil. The Lord is my shepherd, he said, I shall not want. So we're, we're in good hands. We've got a good shepherd. And tonight I really want to emphasize the second verse. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Let's pray. Father, please bless tonight. This is such a wonderful book that we have in our hand. A miraculous book. It's your book. And Lord, what a great psalm this is. We can only imagine David writing this psalm, this song being sung in worship. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lord, please help us tonight as we study it to grow in grace, learn from it, be changed by it, encouraged from the words. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, my shepherd, David says, makes me to lie down. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he, my shepherd, leads me beside the still waters. Now, that's wonderful for David, but David's shepherd is our shepherd. And the shepherd knows the best resting places. He makes me to lie down. And he knows the best drinking places. He leads me beside the still waters. So we're just going to look at those two things tonight for a little while. First of the first one, the first part of the verse, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. When I think of somebody making somebody to do something, I think of forcing them to do it. You're going to lay down whether you like it or not. But that's not really what is in, it's intended here. The word make means he's provided for me. He's enabling me. He is making it possible for me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The shepherd makes it possible for me to recline, to lie down in the green pastures. He creates an atmosphere conducive to rest. And that's a big part of what this verse is about, really, is rest. And why does he do that? Because the sheep need rest. Now, if you've ever owned sheep or read about sheep, we talked a little bit about this in a previous lesson. Sheep are known for their restlessness. They're easily agitated. They are nervous. They're fearful. And they won't lie down if they're anxious about that. And by the way, they generally eat standing up. They're not lying down to eat. They lie down in green pastures, but the purpose of that is not to eat. They eat standing up, but they need rest. And if they're hungry or they're anxious or they're being harassed by animals or insects or even if there's tension among the sheep, they will not lie down. So what the shepherd does, he, he provides for them, enables them to have peace so they can lie down in green pastures. And um, sheep, as you may or may not know, 
are among those animals that ruminate. They chew their cud. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means that they, their stomach has several compartments. And when they eat, um, a portion, big portion of their food go into this main chamber. And it's just going to rest there for a while until, until they decide they're going to chew on it some more. And then they regurgitate it. They bring it back up. And they chew on it a while longer. They get every bit of juice out of that grass they can. And so that's what they, and they chew their cud. And so, so um, this ruminating, this chewing their cud takes place after they eat while they're resting. So this matter, he, le- he, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures is a restful place so that they can, so they can chew their cud, so that they can, and by the way, healthy, they say that healthy, mature sheep may chew their cud several hours a day. So they just keep eating and re-eating. And uh, just try to visualize that if you could. Maybe you could practice that uh, someday. But it's critical to their health that they lie down in green pastures. It's critical for their health that they be able to rest. He maketh, David said, my shepherd maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now God wants us, his sheep, to experience peace and rest in our lives. And I think that's an important thing to understand. He wants to lead us in times of rest. There's so much tension, so much anxiety, so much stress and busyness in most of our lives that rest is a needed commodity. You know, rest is a physical rest was essential for the sheep, but spiritual and emotional rest is is necessary for our health. And God's, God wants us to rest. God wants us to have a place of rest in Him. I was thinking about the verse in Psalm 26. We, it came out in a song we were singing, I believe this morning, uh, not uh, Isaiah 26, excuse me, where Isaiah said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That's a wonderful promise. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You know, we need physical rest. God made us that way. That's why God... In, in his economy, he made for a day of rest. God intends for us to sleep, get a good night's rest every, every night. But it's just as important, maybe more important, that we have spiritual rest as physical rest. And that rest comes as, as a result of our, our relationship to the Lord. This morning we sang a song, and I thought about this uh, that song, Like a River Glorious, as we were singing it, I was thinking about the importance of this matter of God's rest. Just think about these words. The first verse says, Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect, yet it floweth fuller every day. It's perfect, but it flows fuller every day. I love that language. Perfect, yet it groweth deeper all the way. And the second verse says, this is about this song about, we just heard about being, God is my refuge. 
hidden in the hollow of his blessed hand. Never foe can follow, never traitor stand. Now think of, think of these next words. Not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry. Touch the spirit there. Stayed upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed. We need that spiritual rest. Go with, we're going to come back to uh, Psalm 23, but go with me if you would to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and here's a great passage where Jesus is making this promise to those who will come to him right at the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, if that's all we had of this promise, it'd be a great promise, but I'm, I would be inclined to believe that he's talking about you've worked all day, you're hard, you're laboring, you're physically uh, spent, and come, you're heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. But he's really not talking about physical rest. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. That's not just physical rest, that's spiritual rest. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus promises to give rest to the weary. And he says, if you'll yoke with me, if you'll connect with me, if you'll learn of me, you can find rest for your souls. So this rest is found in the Lord. That's what David was talking about when he said, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me come to apply. He provides a place for me to rest. And this rest is found in our communion with the Lord. You know, that ought to be a part of really what our Sundays are about. Not just coming to church and singing songs, but just, just enjoying the peace of God's word and his presence and, and being around God's people. And I, I think sometimes our, our time with the Lord is shortened because we, because we don't have, like those sheep that are just distracted and they're hindered by different things in their life and they won't rest, they won't, they won't lie down and the shepherd takes care of those things. And I'm telling you, the shepherd wants us to lie down in green pastures. That doesn't mean you need to recline on the pew tonight and take a nap. It just means that God wants us to have a place of rest. And in order to do that, we have to remove the things from our life that distract us, that steal our peace. Things like our busyness and our stress and our anxiety and our fear and, and things like guilt and bitterness and strife. You know, God wants us to find nourishment in His Word. But most of us could testify that we have times when we even come to the Word of God. We'd be alone in the office, the study, or the kids are all asleep, and we're going to get into the Bible and, and have some meaningful, quiet time, and all of a sudden our mind just goes all these different directions, and we think about this, and I need to do that, and, and our reminder comes up on our phone, and we can't, you know, we got to check our Facebook account, all these kind of things, and really, that's not what God has for us. I'm not saying all those things are wrong. I'm just saying 
God wants us to remove the things from our life that prevent us from really being resting in Him. And the same thing can even happen in church. You know, we're distracted by different things. We're wondering about this or that or fretting about different things. And, and, and our lives can be cluttered by the cares of this world. And what, what we need is we need the good seed of God's Word to be planted into fertile hearts of our lives. And as we heard this morning, at the very conclusion of the message, and Pastor Weiss was saying, sometimes we hear a message and then we just we kind of walk out the door and we forget about it. And it kind of reminded me of that parable of the sower that, you know, where the seed falls by the wayside and, and before they ever get a chance to really take it in, the, the, the devil steals it away or it falls on his, uh, the last, the third one was it falls upon it, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things. And the word of God is not producing fruit in our life. And, and a part of that has to do we're so distracted by other things like sheep that are distracted by insects or just about things that are around them. And we need more than anything the Word of God in our heart to help us to, to grow. And just like that, it goes right back to that ruminating sheep that, that are, really that's what the word meditate is about. Meditation is about, is about that rumination. It's like going, having the Word of God in us and thinking about it and meditating upon it and, and applying it to our life and dwelling upon it, not just letting it pass, go in one ear and out the other. God wants us to receive with meekness His engrafted Word. So he, the psalmist says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. To me, it's a part of just learning to still our hearts. Still our minds. I was thinking about that, that hymn that we sing sometimes. It's not in our hymn book, but it's written back in the 1700s. I didn't realize this, but it was actually wasn't translated into English until the mid-1800s. But the first verse is, Be still, my soul. You know, sometimes people get uneasy if things get too quiet. They like noise. They like clatter. They like chatter. But you know what? It's good to still our soul. Be still our soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, your best, your heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful End. And one of the things the shepherd wants to do in our life is to get us to be quiet and still. Really, both of these phrases, I think, have to do with quietness and stillness. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He makes it where I can be at peace. Be at peace to think about things that really matter. He, he maketh me, back in Psalm 23, maketh me to lie down in green pastures and second of all, he leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, sheep need water, like any animal. They need hydration. But because of their being skittish, sheep won't eat drink from a, a stream that's moving, that's rustling. You know, it's a part of their nature. The shepherd leads me, he leads me beside the still waters. Again, look at the emphasis on rest. 
and on stillness. This is not probably doesn't apply to all of us, and it may not apply to any of us, but I think it probably does. You know, the most valuable time in our life is not when we're busy. It's not when we're hurried. It's not when we're rushed. It's when we're still and alone with God. To, to let God work in our heart, to let His Word work in our hearts. And so the emphasis, I think, in both of these phrases in verse 2 is on this matter of stillness and rest. The shepherd leads me beside still waters. I mentioned the other day that I've been rereading a book about the sheep and the shepherd and written by a shepherd. And in this book, he says that sheep primarily get their water from three basic sources. They get it from the morning dew. They get it from wells, cisterns or wells. And they get it from brooks or streams. Now, one thing I did not know is that sheep can sometimes go for months without actually drinking especially if it's not in a hot environment for mild temperatures, as long as there's ample dew on the grass in the morning. And if there's ample dew, they can be, they can be um, hydrated just from that. So they could, they could actually go for weeks and weeks and not even go to a, a source of water other than what's on those, those and the dew in the morning. So habitually, this is what the sheep do. They get up early before dawn, they go out and they start to feed. And when they graze, they're getting fully hydrated from the water on the vegetation. And so, um, again, we see the need for and the, and the provision of the shepherd in a quiet place just to get the moisture, get the hydration, get the fluids that they need. Now, we're sheep. We're sheep. And as sheep, our shepherd provides the refreshing that we need. Um, you know, we, we hear this mantra a lot in our culture. I don't ever remembered this as a kid. I never remembered as a teenager, but now I hear it frequently, and that is how healthy it is to drink water. I never knew water was such an important thing, but it's become vitally important, you know, and, uh, and that's true. You know, you can go, you may not think this is possible. You may not want to try it, but most people can go 40 days without eating, without affecting their physical health at all. But you can't go a week, really, without drinking water. You need, you need fluid. You need that hydration. And spiritually, it's a lesson for us spiritually. We're the sheep. And we need to be hydrated, and we need to be spiritual. Jesus said to the woman in John chapter 4, he promised her living water. Spiritually, he's talking about I love the verse in John chapter 7, the couple of verses when Jesus is at the feast and he cried out, the Bible says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So God wants us to have, God wants us to drink from the well of his goodness and we have a spiritual thirst. I want you to hold your finger here and uh, Psalms and go to the book of Jeremiah if you would Jeremiah chapter 2 and Jeremiah was speaking to the Jewish people to the nation of Israel 
and he was, he was using an object lesson to present their betrayal, their turning away from God in Jeremiah chapter 2. And I just want to briefly look at verse 13 where it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So here was the, here was the charge against the nation of Israel. You've done two things. By the way, usually sin involves turning away from the right thing and, turn, or, and turning to the wrong thing. And that's exactly what they did. He said, first of all, you've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Now, he wasn't talking about a literal fountain, but he was just talking about being their, their, their source of nourishment, their refreshing. You know, Brother Hawkins mentioned this morning something about how, you know, people, we see people who are in church and they're, they seem to be in a good place spiritually and then before you know it, you come to a place they're not around anymore. What causes that? Well, there could be a number of things that cause that. Maybe they're not saved. Maybe, whatever the case may be. We don't know what the, all the reasons are. But one thing I think is frequently the, the thing is they're not experiencing the, the, the grace of God in their life. And they find themselves in a place where they're dry or it just doesn't seem to be working for them. I've tried this and it doesn't work. And I want to tell you, God is everything that we need. The Lord is our shepherd. We don't have to want. But it's up to us really to be refreshed though spiritually. All of us need that. I mean, pastors need it. Uh, and real people need it. I mean, everybody needs this. Everybody needs to be refreshed. And where do we get that? It's not just an emotional experience at church. It's not just you know, a song that moves us or gives us goosebumps. There's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But, but what really refreshes us is time with the Lord, meaningful time, where He leads us beside still waters where we can be refreshed spiritually. And God, God can do anything in our life. God is the Almighty, but God didn't make us to be robots. We need spiritual nourishment. And so, so here Jeremiah says, my people... God says, my people have forsaken me. They've left the fountain, really, of living water. He, they've left the, the source of great life and, and refreshment and nourishment. And look what they've done. They've hewed out cisterns. And not just cisterns, but broken cisterns that can hold no water. And there's a lot implied in that. They've dug out these wells. And a lot of you don't, have never been around cisterns much, but the when I my my mom my dad's parents um, had a cistern at their house, and and all the time growing up, um, they never had running water, clean water in their house. They had they had drinking water. They had water you used to wash the dishes and take a bath in. That was pumped out of the pond, or we called them the tank. They were. That water, the water that you took its bath in came out of, the, came out of the, the tank, the pond. It was pumped into the house. And as a teenager, I remember that well. The drinking water, though, came out of the cistern. And the cistern, God sent the water into the cistern. 
Because it rained on the house and it went into the gutter. And through the gutter it went into the cistern. And that's where we, and that's the best water, I'm telling you. I never drank better water than that. I, we have good well water now, but it don't compare to that. And every, by the way, I know that's, this ex- explains what's wrong with me, but everybody drank out of the same dipper. You never even thought about it, you know. And it worked fine, except a couple of times when animals would fall into the cistern. That happened. And uh, that would, you know, they, they didn't really mess up the water too much. And I'm telling you, that's the only drinking water we ever had in that house. And, and so this is what he said. You've hewn out your own cisterns. You don't want me. To, you don't want me. I'm not good enough for you. I'm not, you're not satisfied with me. So, you, so you've dug out these other cisterns, and they're broken cisterns. They can't even hold water. They're not going to be satisfying. And you know what? That's really... I think it, it sheds light on why people, why people sometimes lose interest in spiritual things. It's not because we don't have the truth. It's not because God's way is not the best way. It's that they've, they've found another source to try to satisfy them and nourish them and refresh them and make them happy and fulfill their desires. And yet God says it's not going to work. It doesn't work. And so David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He provides a place of peace and rest where I can just meditate. And he leads me beside the still waters. He gives me a place of refreshment, a place of nourishing. Isn't it a blessed thing? And many of you can testify to this. When you just need something from God and you whether it's through a song or maybe it's through a sermon or a message or something that's said or maybe just you're, you're reading some, your, your Bible and, and God just gives you something that feeds your soul. Isn't that an amazing thing how that works? That's the way it's supposed to work. We're, we, we feast upon the Word of God. God refreshes us. He, he strengthens us. God Himself can do that. It's And that's where our strength comes from. It doesn't come from the world, and it doesn't come just from being motivated. It comes from God. You know, there's a. this is not true of everyone, but I know it's true of my life, and I think it's true of a lot of people. We're so so, um, inclined to try to fix things and do things and make things happen and there's nothing wrong with being a worker. There's nothing wrong with, with being an active person. But we think that somehow we can just, on our own, we can get everything done that needs to be done. But in reality, that's not true. Because we need the Lord's help. And we need Him to be with us. That wonderful passage in Isaiah 40, where he's talking about uh, God renewing us and strengthening us. It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Paul said, the old man's perishing every day, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. They that wait upon the Lord. Go with me, if you would, to the gospel of Mark for a moment. Mark chapter 6. This was a kind of a weary time in in a number of ways for the disciples. Mark chapter 6. And 
they had been on an evangelistic endeavor out preaching the gospel. Mark chapter 6. And while, while they're doing that, uh, John the Baptist was executed, beheaded. And it says in verse uh, 29, this is just after we have the record of John the Baptist being killed. Verse 29, and when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Verse 30, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So they're reporting in on these, this time out preaching and stuff. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they parted into a desert place by ship privately. Now, of course, the people found out, and they followed them. But here they were, weary, and they're not just physically weary. I think they would be weary physically from these, you know, missionary endeavors. But they're emotionally weary as well. I mean, just the news of John the Baptist being beheaded, you can imagine what that would do uh, to the disciples. And you know what Jesus said they needed? They needed a time of reflection, a, a desert place. A place where we can get away from everything. And you know, that doesn't mean we do this all the time, but it just needs to be a time when we just have a time to be with the Lord. And if we're not trusting in the Lord, who are we trusting in? If we're not trusting in God for His strength, who are we depending upon? Uh, Go with me to the book of Isaiah, if you would. And this might be the last verse we'll look at. Isaiah chapter 30. And here again is God dealing with his people and using language that that really strikes to me this whole matter of waiting on the Lord and letting God refresh us. And let's just begin in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 1 it says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord that take counsel, but not of me. They're getting advice, but they're not getting it from me. And they cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to his sin. Verse 2 says, They walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth. I wonder how many times that would describe us. We're going to make these decisions, we're going to take these actions, But we're not asking God what he thinks about it. We're not waiting on the Lord to give us direction. They walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth. Notice what they're hoping to do. They're going to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh. They're going to let Pharaoh strengthen them and trust in the shadow of Egypt. So that kind of describes the situation. And then a couple other verses that just shed light on how how really foolish this is. Look at verse 7. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, their strength is to sit still. Now that's a, a wonderful statement. 
God said, you're going down to Egypt. You're looking to the world to satisfy you and strengthen you. But the best, the thing that could strengthen you is just to be still. Just to wait on the Lord. Just to let God, let God strengthen you. Let God help you. They didn't like that advice, but it was good advice. Look in verse 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. This is God's word to them. In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And you would not. God says, if you would just wait on me, if you would just let me let me have an opportunity to give you some advice. You're going down to Egypt for advice. You're following counselors, but you're not following my counselors. And all of this, he says, your, your salvation is going to be in a place of rest. And returning and rest is salvation. And in quietness is strength. To me, these two phrases in the 23rd Psalm speak to this whole matter of rest and quietness and looking to the Lord. You know, I'm for being busy and working and activity, but I'll tell you, nothing this world can offer and nothing our flesh can offer can substitute for that which only God can offer. He leads me beside still waters, waters that are refreshing, waters that revive. You know, I think that word revive describes what happens when a person, if you're just really, really thirsty and really weary, it's amazing what a good cold drink of water will do for you. And that's physically, but this is spiritually. And just like those sheep rise up before dawn and go out into the meadow when the grass is just saturated with dew and they, they spend their time being hydrated with that moisture, God wants us to spend time with Him and let Him feed us and let Him nourish us and refresh us and and really there's no time like the first part of the day to do that and I know that doesn't work for everybody's schedule but whatever your schedule is we need a time where we can just be still and rest I'm not talking about taking a nap I'm talking about just being being fed and being nourished and refreshed by God's word Meditating on God's word. So our shepherd, the Lord is our shepherd. And our shepherd wants to lead us to places of spiritual rest and spiritual refreshment. The, the, the Christian life doesn't have to get old. You know, I've, I've never pretended or never has entered my mind that I thought I was a, a good Christian. I'm, I am what I am by the grace of God. But I'm telling you, I've never ever once thought, you know, I'd have been better off if, no, if, if I'd have never heard the gospel. I've never once thought that. In my, on my worst day, I think I've been glad to be saved by the grace of God. There's no other place we want to go, young person. There's no other place we want to go. I, I, feel like the, the, I feel like the slave... And I'm speaking for a lot of us, like the slave in the Old Testament who fulfilled his obligation to his owner, and his owner said, you're free to go, 
And he says, I don't want to go. I love you, my master. I love my family. And he, and he puts him up against a wall and drills an awl, a hole in his ear. And that's, that's saying, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. That's exactly how we feel. Good days, bad days. You know why? Because the Lord is our strength. The Lord is our refreshment. The Lord is the one that keeps us going in the right direction. And he wants us like the sheep, to remove the distraction that keep us from hearing from Him and meeting with Him and fellowshipping with Him. You know, I could see where a person could come to church and just sit in church and, and hear the singing, the same singing, maybe even sing along the songs that we hear and listen to sermon and, and walk out and, and really be none the better for it. You know what I'm saying? I can see how that could happen. But it's not because the words we're singing is not good. It's not because we're not having truth preached to us. It's because we have these competing, I think, things in our life that want our attention and draw us away. One of the best things we could do, we, we're not going to do this, but one of the best things we could do when we come to church is to come in with this intentional idea, Lord, it's good to see my friends, it's good to be around people I care about, it's good to sit with your family and church, but more than anything, Lord, I want to just still my mind and my heart, and I want you to work in my life. And you know what? If you have that idea, that attitude and idea, God will do that. He pours water on them that are thirsty. Amen? Yep, that Jesus promised that. You know, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. You know, the problem is people come to church are not thirsty and they're not hungry. Maybe you ought to just have a station before you come in those doors back there. We have this station where we stop and we quiet ourselves. Our minds, our hearts, we're not thinking about anything else but what's about to take place. You know, this may seem a bit extreme to some people. And I know this is just a building and people who assemble here are just mortals. But some of the greatest things that have happened in my life have happened in assemblies just like this. Where God's word has spoken to my heart. Where I sense God working in my life. And we ought to do everything we can to quiet ourselves and provide an environment to feed upon the word of God. He maketh me to lie down and green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters and that's what our shepherd wants to do for us now you may be here tonight and he's not your shepherd you're not one of his sheep this doesn't really mean much to you but I, I want to tell you today you're the one that's missing out you're the one that's missing out I attended a Baptist church when I was a youngster up until I was in my mid-teens. My mom and dad, as many of you know, were divorced. And my brother, a year older than me, he was the first one to bail out of church. He got where he could, mom couldn't make him go. He left. And I was the next one. And I grew up in a church just hearing sermons and 
singing specials sometimes in church. It was pretty special. I grew up in that environment. But you know what? It wasn't hard for me to walk away because there wasn't anything in, this, in my heart that really connected me to God and to his word and to his people. But when you get saved, things change. Things change. And one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life was leaving church and going out into the world for several years. There were several years that if I could do anything, I would reverse every bit of that. Of course, we can't. But some of you young people, you don't have to make those same mistakes. You know, this is not a ritual. We come together to worship the living God who sent his only son to take our sins upon his own body on a tree that we could be forgiven of our sins. Nobody makes us love the Lord. We love him because he first loved us. And if you don't know him, you know how to come to him tonight. And if you're here and you do know him and you've let things kind of get stale and cold and dry in your life, you don't need to go to a church that offers, you know, louder music or different lights. What you need is to really lie down in green pastures and absorb the refreshment that he has for you. Amen.